When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British Royal history. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday, or whenever it is you're going to be listening to this. It is incredibly hot still in the Midwest, and needless to say, I am very excited for autumn to get here and for things to cool off and for the seasons to change. While I might be a summer baby, I don't like the heat too much. So, oh, I hope everyone's doing all right. How y'all doing? We do have a few news stories that have at least caught my attention that I'd like to discuss and break down a little bit. And then we'll get into today's episode proper that I'm actually really excited about. But first, some of the news stories. The Lady Louise the eldest child of their royal highnesses, the Earl and Countess of Wessex, was in the news recently. Whether her own doing or not is up for speculation, but something she might do was in the news, and evidence suggests that she actually might do this upon her 18th birthday. November 8th of this year is when uh, Lady Louise will turn 18, and at that point she will be able to use her HRH style and princess title if she so chooses. When she was born and when Prince Edward and Sophie were planning out their family, they ultimately decided that while their children were growing up, they wanted them to not be styled as a prince or princess, even though they have the legal claims to do so, in an effort to have a more normal childhood. They knew that they wouldn't actually be working for the firm, that they'd actually have to have some form of job and something more of what quote-unquote normal people would have, and they didn't want anything to be weird. They wanted them to be as normal as they possibly could, given the extraordinary circumstances with which they were being born into. Many news sources on Twitter were posting that rumors are circulating that when Lady Louise turns 18, she may actually be going forward and using her HRH style and her princess title, making her thus Her Royal Highness Princess Louise of Wessex if she chooses to do so. Evidence suggests right now that she's actually going to do so. In order to make this make sense, we have to turn back the pages of history a little bit. You can actually listen to this in our archives of episodes, especially when explaining the House of Windsor and why Archie isn't a prince. The Royal Proclamation of 1917 that officially outlines the House of Windsor and everything therein also diagrams who has claims to be a prince or princess. And, of course, it's all the direct children of the sovereign and any grandchildren through the male line, as well as the oldest, as well as the, I think it was the eldest son of the first son of the Prince of Wales. So the Prince of Wales's eldest grandchild as well. It's very technical if you want to go back to the episode. The point is, is Lady Louise is a daughter 
of the son of a sovereign. She is, her father is a prince, therefore she legally has claims to it, but they just opted to not have, opted to not do that until she turns 18, and then at that point it's her choice. Many sources are saying that this is a subtle jab at Prince Charles in two main ways. The first way is that Prince Edward has not received the Dukedom of Edinburgh, and he's feeling a sort of way, and he's letting he's letting Lady Louise or giving her the green light to go ahead and use her HRH and princess style when she turns 18 as a way to get back at Charles because he wants to slim down the family and I should have the dukedom of Edinburgh, but there's a lot more to unpack there. So why Prince Edward doesn't have the dukedom of Edinburgh is because it's not his, it's just not his right now. That's not how the title laws and how the peerage titles work. When Prince Philip died, the Dukedom of Edinburgh then gets passed to the eldest son. It is his father who has a title, and then it goes to the eldest son. That's how the British laws of primogeniture work, and that directly relates to titles. So it's nothing personal. It's just how the laws work, and they can't circumvent that. That's how things are. So why Edward hasn't had the title yet is simply because the Queen hasn't died. The moment the queen passes away and Charles becomes king, all of his titles will then revert back to the crown. And once they revert back to the crown, he will then be able to fulfill Prince Philip's and also the queen's wish of Edward having the dukedom of Edinburgh. There's a few more steps that have to <laughs> that have to be acted out before the dukedom officially gets passed to him. Which is sad to think about. The only way for him to get the dukedom is for his mother to die. Additionally, there's also the talk that this is Prince Edward's way of getting back at Charles for his talks of slimming down the family once he becomes king. And one, that's Charles's prerogative. He can do whatever he wants there. But also, it's Lady Louise's prerogative. If she wants to use it, she can use it. If it's her way of going, I want to get this before it might be taken away from me, that's her business. And if her brother gets to the age where he can do that too, that's that's their business. But the media is really stirring the pot with this and in some ways making a mountain out of a molehill. Because even if she does use her HRH and princess title, she'll, she won't be working for the, for the firm. She'll still have to make her own way in life. And granted, she's very privileged, but I doubt there's anything more to this than that. The media still has a really big obsession with the royals, and I saw a really wonderful YouTube video sort of highlighting this that I may go back and actually watch and dissect in a future episode, but let me know if that's something you would like, but Lady Louise was in the news. Is she gonna use her princess title? Is this a jab at Charles? I highly doubt this is a jab at Charles. This is just her making a decision as a young lady. Additionally, the last big story, or a few minor stories, is around our friends, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So, according to Newsweek, earlier this week, a UK opinion poll was given out to the public about the, their approval rating of the royal couple. And the Duke and Duchess have fallen very hard from grace within the UK. Uh, when they first were working and after the wedding, they had an approval rating of 81%, and now it has dropped to 31%. A drop of over 50%, and they are in fact lower than Prince Charles was after his divorce from Princess Diana. There's now further data to back up that the people don't really approve of them. They don't like them, they don't they 
don't want them anywhere near and they just they've had it and the data now backs us up additionally regarding them i saw another news story about royals being happy that megan didn't show up to the funeral because she would have brought too much attention to her when it was supposed to be about philip and they were really happy that it was just harry so they could still keep it very much about the late duke of edinburgh and not have any extra attention additionally there's more talk about how William and Catherine and Harry and Meghan are having more frequent Skype calls and things seem to be great, but also things apparently are still tense and everybody's at each other's throats. So I still stand by my opinion regarding the Harry and Meghan and the royal family thing. I don't think things are as bad as they are. I think that this is a lot of media portrayal and media manipulation. I don't want to downplay any of her experience because what she experienced, if it is true, is very traumatic and awful. And I hope things change. But regarding just the relationship of the brothers and the royal wives, that relationship in particular, I think we're being fed a narrative. But that's my own opinion. I digress. I could digress about this for a while. But sadly, that is not what today's episode is about. We are a few days early in this, but on August 31st, it marks the 24th anniversary of the passing of Diana, Princess of Wales, and her impact is still felt to this day. Earlier this year, we had the unveiling of the statue commemorating her at Kensington Palace, which was done by Prince William and Prince Harry, but also her wedding dress is back on display at the Royal Fashion Exhibit at Kensington Palace, which, as an aside, I've seen a lot of people go see it, and it's nice to see that she's being represented in an official royal exhibit again. When she formally entered the family in 1981, little did anyone know how much of an impact she would have on the family. I stand by this. If you, If we were to turn back time... And with the knowledge we now know, go back and tell her you're really going to change things. I don't know if she would believe you then, and I don't know if she'd ever believe it, period, because a lot of the changes happened after her death. But her impact is still being felt. We still feel her. As new generations learn about her and media portrayals of her continue to persist, I highly doubt that she will ever fall into the pages of obscurity as some other royals have. But today, we honor the late people's princess and remember her a few days before, but still, on the 24th anniversary of her passing. It's very easy to talk about the tragedy and pain she suffered, both in her personal life as a child the trauma with her parents divorcing, the trauma and abuse and manipulation and neglect and everything around there with her time within the royal family and then her death and her struggles with mental health and bulimia. It's all it's so easy to talk about the negative and the traumatic when talking about her because she's very much this she's become this martyr of a, of a figure she is this wronged party that never got her happy ending and it's something so easy to talk about but i want to talk about the beauty that was princess diana not only just her caring spirit but her jokey side her prankster side the in some cases more of the authentic side of princess diana she was a quite 
a cheeky trickster and she really not only enjoyed pulling pranks on people but also having pranks pulled on her having fun embarrassing people a little bit maybe her sense of humor was a little bit more juvenile and risque but it's unique to her and today i have a few very short anecdotes that sort of make me giggle and make me laugh whenever i think about princess diana as a way to just honor more the fun side of her instead of talking about the pain first off she had a very early start when it came to her pranks when her family lived at park house on the sandringham estate as a very young child the nannies were cycling through that house quite frequently now there were that weren't the best that were abusive and did some things that actually are kind of awful but also the spencer children (laughs) would pull pranks sometimes they would put pin cushions on the actual seats that the nannies would sit on they would throw clothes out the nursery window they would lock themselves in bathrooms not wanting to come out and they were just if they didn't like a nanny they made it very clear that they didn't like the nanny by pranks pulling on them and sort of driving them out which while kind of awful in retrospect is still kind of funny i would really enjoy seeing that be portrayed on film that sort of fun cheeky side of her but when she was in the royal family one of the things that i i think subtly made the firm angry was her wanting to have fun and wanting to be this sort of fun spirited jokey joke mom a really fun story that was in the documentary diana our mother life and legacy i believe is the name of it prince william and prince harry talk about a few times that she pulled pranks on them when prince william was home from school when he was 13 he idolized these very attractive supermodels because he thought that they were really hot and he came home and bada bing bada boom there's cindy crawford naomi campbell and and christy turlington so imagine the three supermodels that you have the biggest crush on you come home and all of a sudden they're there you know william had talked about being you know gobsmacked embarrassed probably fell down the stairs just completely awestruck that these supermodels were there and that was his mother's doing solely to embarrass him additionally when he was 13 and it was his 13th birthday apparently diana went down to the kitchen staff and ordered that a boob cake be made for him on his 13th birthday that ex-royal chefs have come out saying yeah she did that and we giggled but he was embarrassed one of the things that the staff noticed that she would do that she would kind of giggle at is she would break her diet quite frequently. She, as she got older, she was on a sort of a stricter diet, worked out a lot, and was on sort of a health kick to you know keep up her figure and appearances within the media. But apparently in her car, she would sneak and eat chocolate, especially drifter, uh, drifter bards and timeouts. And the royal chefs would get word and get, angry and disappointed at her and the (laughs) apparently there were multiple instances where uh the staff would go out and get her car and go you know your royal highness here are your keys but also we found these in the back seat and they'd have a handful of these crumpled up chocolate bars and she would go oh those are those are from the kids those are willie william and harry's but they all knew she was breaking her diet we all know when the royals have christmas time that things actually are not as really serious as when as serious when compared to other families they tend to 
give each other gag gifts, try to have fun, and sort of poke fun at each other at Christmas time. And Diana was no stranger to that. Apparently, one year in Prince Harry's stocking, she gave him fake dog poo that he immediately turned around and tried to give his grandmother, the Queen, as a little fun cheeky joke. We all know Diana as instilling not only in herself, but in her kids from a very young age to be appreciative and gracious for what they have and what people do. And she was known, it's written about very specifically in Andrew Morton's book about her, that every time somebody would give her a gift, she would immediately turn around and write a thank you letter, show appreciation. And she was also just a frequent letter writer. She'd write cards, and that was her main form of correspondence. Well, not only that, but she would also send really cheeky cards and you know, try to embarrass whoever the card uh, acceptor was. And in that same documentary, Diana, our mother, her life and legacy, Prince William went on record and said, oh yeah, she would do that. And in some cases, I would be embarrassed to open them because I didn't know what she said. And I would didn't want to open it around my friends in my friend's seat. And <laughs> a, a fun story that makes me laugh is the kitchen staff at Balmoral one year, uh, one of the chefs caught uh, grouse that were found a dead grouse and put it in a box, attached a string to it, and was walking around to the various kitchen maids saying, hey, there's something in the box, pull the string, you know, help get it out of the box. And they'd pull and there'd be this dead grouse and it'd scare them, they'd scream, and chaos and laughter would ensue. Apparently, the year that this prank was going down, Diana walked into the kitchens at Balmoral and they all kind of got pale. She saw what was going on. And the guy walked over, you know, your Royal Highness, you know, something's in the box. Can you pull, can you pull the string? She pulled the string. The dead grouse came out. She screamed and then immediately started laughing. There's, of course, the uh, footage. I believe it was an Easter in the early 90s, I think 93 Easter weekend when she took Prince William and Prince Harry to an amusement park and was going down the water, the water, uh, flume ride and there's also which i really want to research and do an episode about she snuck them both out to disney world and they went to disney world for a few days so this portion of of the podcast talking about fun stories about princess diana is a little short but that is what i think we should stick to when remembering her we have a lot of portrayals of her, one that we're going to discuss in a few minutes. But she was this fun spirit, loved to have fun, pull, have, uh, pull pranks, you know, have cheeky fun and embarrass her kids. My mom still does that to me to this day. My dad still does it too. That's just, I think, a sign of a healthy relationship with your parents. But it's so easy to talk about the negative with her and have this portrayal of, oh, you know, we feel sad and sorry for her. Because of the pain, which I don't want to belittle that. That is very real. But today I wanted to share some fun light stories about her. Some fun short anecdotes that help remind us that even in the pain that she was suffering, she still had fun. She still found a way to smile and laugh and try to make other people laugh too. But another part of remembering Diana uh, today is we finally have a trailer for the new film coming out with Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart is portraying Princess Diana in the new film Spencer, which takes place over the... Let me get this pulled up. Uh, takes place over... I believe it's a weekend in 1991. It's right before the separation of the Prince and Princess of Wales. Not It's not the formal divorce. It's the separation. And it's her last Christmas 
at Sandringham for a while. And the description, I have the trailer pulled up. Here's the summarized plot. The marriage of Princess Diana and Prince Charles has long since grown cold. Though rumors of affairs and a divorce abound, peace is ordained for the Christmas festivities at the Queen's Sandringham Estate. There's eating and drinking, shooting and hunting. Diana knows the game. But this year, things will be profoundly different. Spencer is an imagining of what might have happened during those few fateful days. So this film is very much in the canon of The Queen and the Crown, where we're taking private moments that the royal family might have and spin them and try to imagine, okay, what what probably happened here? We don't know what happened here. Well, we know that they walked in and this was here, and then we now know next year this happened. What happened this Christmas time? And this is another instance of that, where they're taking the coloring book of history and deciding to color in these pages with different colors to tell a different story. The trailer's about a minute long. Uh, The trailer on YouTube is about a minute and nine seconds long. And my opinion still stands. I'm curious about this. I don't know how I feel about this. We see, you know, Kristen Stewart really doesn't look much like Princess Diana, especially when comparing to Naomi Watts, who has, has portrayed her, and Emma Corrin, who has portrayed her. Emma Corrin has looked the most like her in out of all of these three portrayals. But even then, when you get put up in Princess Diana costume, hair, and makeup, the resemblance is still there. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense. It's... She got, she's got some of her mannerisms, her portrayal, you know, you look at her and you immediately go, okay, that's Diana, but we don't hear her talk until the very last bit of the trailer where, where she's talking to a friend or sibling or whoever this person's supposed to be. And they go, you know, the family, they know everything. And she goes, no, they don't. And that little phrase, that's all we hear. And... Everybody is hailing her. Oh my goodness, you got the accent right. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to give her a fair shot. And everybody listening, I stand by. Give Kristen Stewart a fair shot. We'll give her a chance to see what her portrayal of Diana is about. But I, I, I don't know. I earnestly don't know. Diana's accent is so unique. And even in an interview with Graham Norton, Emma Corrin even went on record saying her speech patterns were weird. Her speech patterns were off. Off in the sense of her style of talking is unique. Much like how the Queen's accent's unique. Members of the royal family have such drastically different accents that really separates them, makes them individuals. And Diane is no different. Like, go check out the trailer for yourself. Let me know on Twitter what what you think of it. I'm curious. It looks beautifully shot. I don't know what house they used for Sandringham, but it, it looks as if it's the same one that they used for the crown for Sandringham. I recognize the exterior of it. I could be wrong. I'm opening the door that I could possibly be wrong. But it looks as if they used the same exterior location. Interior, I don't know. But the exterior looks very similar to the one that they used for the crown. The costumes look great. Makeup look great. Uh, I'm curious to see who they got to play everybody. Even knowing that the film is centered around Princess Diana, everybody's there. The whole fam damley's there. And I'm curious to see those portrayals, how those get brought to life. I know that the actor portraying 
Prince Charles, much like in the fifth season of The Crown, doesn't necessarily look the most like him, but it is what it is. But we have another portrayal of Diana coming out that is in this realm of pain and trauma and what was the turning point for her. And I don't know if we'll see a lot of the fun side that I attempted to highlight today, but this feels like it's a very serious, very stark, very dark film, which is okay. That's what the um, the director's trying to do. I'm now curious to see how this will hold up. But let me know on Twitter, what do you, what do you think of the film? <laughs> One thing that makes me laugh in these portrayals of Diana is no one has gotten her hair right. And TikTok account um, at Matta of Fact, uh, another American, Amanda Matta, much like myself, an American that has an, an obsession with the British royal family, she talks about that these wigs are really flat. They get the general shape, but Diana had a lot of hair. It was big. It was up in the air. And, you know, her, these portrayals, these wigs look kind of flat. These wigs are probably great and expensive. And the department, I don't want to belittle what the costume department has done because I have friends who are in, in the costumes department. And, you know, I don't want to belittle their work, but I don't know. These portrayals. To continue my argument for today's episode, these portrayals still are, reinforce the negativity and the pain, and it doesn't do anything to help the royal family, but the, these people aren't helping the royal family. That's not their aim. That's not their goal. But I'm curious to see if the royal family will begin to speak out like what they did with the crown season four of asking a disclaimer to be before the film that this is fictitious and to not take it as biblical fact. But the TikTok account uh, at Mata of Fact, hosted by Amanda Mata or Mata, she's fantastic. She does short form royal content uh, within the confines of TikTok. I love her page. I love everything about it. I'll probably be referencing her for future topics as sources for inspiration. But I love her. If you're a listener, hi. I really love you. I love your page. Would love to collaborate with you at some point. But that's today's kind of hodgepodge episode. This week has been a little better in terms of mental health, but I wanted to first talk about some of the fun moments of Princess Diana, her prankster side from pranking nannies, embarrassing her children, frustrating her chefs, and partaking in household pranks as a way to highlight a side of her that I don't feel gets a lot of justice. It gets a lot of light because no one wants to talk about the fun. It's it's fun and more in line to talk about the pain, the hard topics, the, um, the painful subjects make better vehicles for storytelling. You know, comedies rarely win Oscars and win awards. It's always these dramas. And I understand media's interest in the pain because now enough time has passed where it feels appropriate to have these moments but I don't know I feel like we still need to remember that she was a fun little trickster she took her snuck her kids away on vacation took them to fast food joints she embarrassed them pulled pranks on them uh apparently let me find this quote let me find this quote hold on uh apparently one of her mottos as a mother was quote you can be as naughty as you want, just don't get caught. And I think that sums sums up more of her character better than these fictitious media portrayals and people talking about the pain. You can be as naughty as you want, just don't get caught. But that, dear listeners, is a hodgepodge episode remembering Princess Diana. 
next week. Tune in as we commemorate her actual funeral, and we'll be discussing that day in detail and talking about some of the high points and the low points of the actual funeral itself as we remember in this episode and the next episode the late Princess of Wales on the anniversary of her death. My sources for today's episode are are The Mirror, Express.co.uk, The Latin Times, WomenInHome.com, Andrew Morton's book, Diana, Her True Story, and At Home with Diana by Deb Stratus. If you made it this far, thank you for stopping by the podcast today. I'm really happy you showed up. If you'd like to recommend topics for future episodes or let me know how I'm doing so I can continue to improve the podcast, drop me a line over at the official email, britishroyalfanpod at gmail.com. I check it daily. So if you want to recommend to help make the show the best it can be, just let me know. If you want to stay up to date on the podcast and any events happening within the royal family, head over to Twitter and follow me at fanatic underscore royal, or just search for the podcast by name, British Royal Fanatic Podcast. You can find the official Twitter page and follow me there. Again, reach out to me, suggest topics, engage with me, let me know. I dropped a few prompts in today's episode, but you can go over there to try to stay up to date on what's happening within the podcast. Additionally, if you feel so inclined to donate to the podcast, there are two links that you can use at your disposal. One is over at Anchor, the Anchor homepage, if you feel so inclined to make monthly donations. And there is a one-time donation PayPal link over on the Twitter homepage. Any and all donations are wonderful and greatly appreciated, and you will get perks and benefits to make it worth your while. But again, that is if you feel so inclined. I am a one-man show over here trying to get back into the rhythm of, of my podcast, so any help would be wonderfully appreciated. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, CastBox, and more to rate, review, subscribe, and share. The more you do that, the more the podcast family can continue to grow, and also the show can improve. Have a great rest of your week, everyone. Stay safe and stay healthy, and I'll see you in the next one. <laughs>